Welcome back to another episode of the Out of a Sean podcast. What a week, brother. How's everything been? Good, man. We we moving and growing, and I'm excited about some good news I got um, from the federal government. Um, one Uh-oh. of the best things I've ever received, so it's cool, about these loan forgiveness, so I'm thankful for that. Most High is, is breaking all the chains. One, one chain's about to break. Man, that... Let, let them call me ASAP. They'll call me ASAP. You wouldn't see my shadow. <laughs> Like, where Cole at? Cole is gone. The years of the return, man. The Most High is doing it, man. And it's showing up in the financial, getting you free. Because debt slavery is the the biggest chain that all of us are in, even in the education space. And it was cool how uh, you talked about some of those concepts. And I felt like it was important to share that with the people. So please do share some of the, the stuff that you were talking about regarding what you're experiencing uh, with the students and your day-to-day. You work with students every day. So you're you're in the know with the young people. Mm-hmm. And you and Every you day. dress swaggy too, so they 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 ask why they want to come. I want to talk to uncle. I want to talk to not uncle. I want to talk to well, maybe uncle in certain instances, but I want to talk to uh, what they call you, Mister Mister P M or Mister P Mister P. P. They can, they can't pronounce P and M, so they make Mister P. Bama's not worthy to use that name yet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> nah, Mr. it's true because you know it came up in that previous conversation you had. You know, I think I think you said you were talking with someone who was contemplating attending Syracuse University mm. at the tune of $85,000. We're like, whoa, that's a lot of money. That's over $360,000, $80,000 in a span of four years. Mm. But that that's the reality of the economics nowadays because, you know, when we were coming up, I even think, remember, Frostburg was only maybe with room and board and everything was only like $8,000. Now that number has increased three, four, five times over. But the question is, but you had scholarship you though, right? For that? Come again? You had scholarship though, right? I had a few scholarships here and there, mm. but now if I was to go to Frostburg, you would be paying upwards of like thirty thousand dollars. Wow! So education. So you know th- th- that's the reality that a lot of students are facing with now. Um, they're because they're trying to come to the conclusion as to is this a smart investment? Yes or maybe not. And what we were talking about earlier in regards to that was you know. What I'm finding is a lot of students tie their idea or identity to the university, mm. so to speak. If I get into Harvard, it's because I'm smart. So that Harvard becomes who I am. It's no longer me, the individual. It's me being a part of Harvard. That's the main goal. This is why people sacrifice and do so many different things on the name of the school, because they know that the name of the school in some cases may provide them access to people in places that they would otherwise not be able to even flow. Mm. So so now you think about it, supply and demand, exclusivity, people just like fashion, a lot of people with money can spend money on high fashion items because they have the resource to do so. And then what do they do? They shine, they bling so other people can see. It's the same thing in education. People who have the money, they send their kids to institutions that are very, um, we call them uh, hard to get in. They're very selective. Prestigious. Mm -hmm. Highly selective. So when people see that there's a high concentration of wealth, of affluence in one place, everybody's trying to beat down the door to get there. And they would do anything possible to get it. Parents would take out second mortgages. They Mm -hmm. would do so many different things that they wouldn't do otherwise, but just for an opportunity. And it's not even a guarantee that this opportunity that you're investing in is even going to pay off. Because then the other conversation comes, and what we've talked about is, okay, what are you going to school for? 
So and this is one of the reasons why our our parents who, who have who come from the garden, they say be a doctor. Why? Because they know medicine uh, science is something you need that is universal. No, where, no matter where you go on the planet, you need doctors. You need people who have the mindset of science and mathematics. Mm-hmm. Here in the United States, we don't prioritize science and mathematics. Hence why a lot of corporations, when you go into the um, tech world, you see a lot of people from foreign countries. When you go anywhere into the, the medical world now, there's a lot of what outsiders coming in because we don't supposedly turn out or produce enough people in these industries in order to sustain the people. Mm-hmm. And then these are the industries as well that provide a sensible or even a more than comfortable way of life or living. Because doctors, in a lot of cases, they're going to make in upwards of 300 at least $300,000 after they get out of residency. Mm-hmm. Now, when you compare that to any other discipline in the social sciences, where are you going to see that type of money? You're not. The average person is not going to see 250 300k ever. But unless you're going to the high financial realms, you'll definitely see that. You do definitely see that in medicine. You could potentially touch it if you go into engineering. As some, uh, lawyers, if you make it to that high level, you can do it. But by and large, the majority of the population would never see that money. So mm-hmm. this is why a lot of students are also at that quandary, conundrum, because they're trying, they're selecting careers that make money, but not necessarily careers or, uh, or direction that they will feel fulfilled in. So you chase the money, but but you're you have an empty. It's like you don't have any passion for it. You're just doing it because you know it makes a lot of money. And there are a lot of students in that situation, you know. Mm. So that th- that was a part of that conversation. So, you know, going forward, you know, how how do we advise or give students guidance on what to do without them feeling repressed or feeling like they're not meeting or being able to keep up with what's going on in the world, their peers, so on and so forth. Because everybody wants to have a nice house. They want to drive a nice car. They want to be able to go on trips. Mm. But the reality is your degree, what you're willing to work for is going to be aligned to how much effort and ambition you put into it to chase those things. Some people don't chase money. Mm. Some people do. Some people are okay with just living a normal average life. Some people see that as beneath them. So, But once again, it comes to that identity piece. What lies within you and what's most important in who you are and that will manifest itself in, in the greater um, environment in which we live in. Well, you 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 mentioned a couple things that you you hit the root. You know, it's always important to go to the root is identity. Everybody wants to be identified as being somebody, right? So you go to these Ivy Leagues, you go to these great schools because it has a great medicine program or has this or that, and that's the identity. Like, oh, I'm a, a graduate. I, I love here in LA, the USC versus the <laughs> UCLA conversation. I mean, people. Some people we joke about it, but some people take it very serious. Like, what? Oh, you, serious? You're yeah, a Bruin? Yeah. Oh my gosh! No, you're a Trojan. It can go far, and I'm sure it, it's in different parts of the world too, especially down south with some of those southern schools and football and things of that nature. But that's all what identity and identity has been tied to branding. So you have to understand how the system operates. That the brand is more important sometimes than even the the goods. Right? You can. They're getting their stuff from the same location in most parts, but if it has that brand on it, that logo, you subconscious, there you go, the subconscious kicks in. So how do we teach students that the identity comes from within 
And then you use those tools to further your mission or your goal of who you are to be able to express yourself in your highest form. That should be true riches. True riches is being able to express oneself at any time and in many ways. So that will include having finance. That will include having resources. But the question is, is it borrowed money? Is it usury? As we've been learning a lot about how usury was illegal in so many countries um, in the European um, beginnings and in their history um, and certain groups profited from it that we see to this day um, has created these types of systems of interest and debt where you remember you're talking about a lot of times when people are paying their school loans they was never touching the principal it was all just interest interest mm-hmm. so that that is bank that's how you bankrupt that's happening on a national level I was just listening to uh, a guy named Kwesi, I can't remember his last name, but he's a, they call him an activist, they call him Pan-Africanist. All those names, once again, are silos that lock you into a identity that has been created, so then you fall to that stronghold from a spiritual standpoint, or you fall to that ism, so then they can categorize you. That That's a, a huge thing that people love to do anytime you speak of something that may threaten bottom line. How did it come to that? How do you how does how does one grow out of those particular predicaments when you don't have access and autonomy? You become so, so, uh, uh, inferior, and the inferiority isn't physically, but it's deemed that way. But it's more financially or in, re- economic inferiority so you don't have the power to do what you want to do and that's what students want you get presented with this idea of i want to be free or working your job and moving up the ladder it's supposed to create more freedom but is it actually creating more freedom or is it actually creating more debt and if you look at it at bare bones then you you have to make decisions on what is important but you won't be able to see those things unless you, first of all, get back to the most high and get back to yourself, which is about getting back to the most high because he created you in his image. Mm-hmm. So when you're understanding your Im- being created in the image, and that's what we love to do at Light Your Path, is helping people move from the image, from who you are. What is your image? Not the image of branding, like I said earlier, but the image that the most high created. See, Satan only copies what the most high has already set in order and just manipulates it and moves it in certain ways. But... The image of the father that whatever you speak, whatever you believe, whatever you say over time will create a world or a perception or your place in the world. That's the, the, the most highest nature in every human being that we all get to experience for different periods of time. Some people are going to experience it for 80 years, some people for 40 years, some for four days, some for. So it's beyond us to know how you step into this realm and then have to go back into spirit space. So as students understand and understand those principles, now they approach education, branding, money, jobs, and as tools. All of it is tools. It's just paper, right? So if we get past the stigma or the propaganda that makes it so about the physical and how you can materialize and how you can consume and understanding how the systems work, you have more power to operate in it. Cole, you talked about that uh, yesterday when you were talking about the systems of how inflation operates. Can you expound on that a little bit more too as well? That was, I think, very helpful to the conversation. Well, yeah, it, was, it was on the premise of supply and demand where if you have too much of something in, it, it, it floods the market. So hence why, like money, 
if there's too much money circulating, that's what causes the inflation. Because now the the power of that dollar or that that currency is no longer as valuable because too many people have access to it. Hence, when it's restricted, like gold, for example, because not a lot of people have gold, that's what maintains the the the, the value in gold. Versus, if everybody had it, gold wouldn't be as valuable. Therefore. What you can use to trade and barter with it would be at, at a, such a low level because that is something that every is low hanging fruit at that point. So just like supply and demand, just like like I say in colleges and universities, usually those private schools that are very difficult to get into that no one has access to, usually much more expensive. And that's why people would, like you said, they would do they would pull at all stops to try to get there or get a piece of it. And it's, and it's the same thing when we talk. you start talking about the cycle. I'm glad you mentioned consumerism because now we're going into the Christmas season. So everything, the seasons we have here in the West, they're all holidays to spend money. You're never going to find anything that's not centered around you being able to go and buy something in the store. You name it. Every holiday is about you spending money. Mm-hmm. At, at all, at all levels, you're going to spend money. The air you breathe, you're going to pay for. The water you drink, food, no matter what you do, you're going to pay. So when you start to talk about um, the idea of you know that being that identity that that the true you, a lot of it is going to take is on the individual to monitor what it is they digest yes. on a daily basis. Yes, sir. Because there are many people who forego vanities of materialism and other things it may show up in other aspects of their life mm-hmm. but everything comes down to self-discipline and if you don't if you're not careful as we talked about even when we talked about lot's wife or even lot himself where it says just the sheer uh mode that he where he was his spirit was vexed mm. and the things that we consume social media is telling you everything that you shouldn't do and they're inundating with so much propaganda so much marketing where even the casual person, even if you don't desire something, it can sit in your spirit and then little before you know it, you begin to desire those things and don't even know where it came mm, from. Mm, mm, mm. Today, you have that wall up your guarded. A year from now, you become that same thing that you were watching and didn't even know where that metamorphosis, metamorphosis or that transition came from. So the, these are some of the things as individuals that we have to pay very close attention to that. You know, we always used to say it growing up when we used to, before we take communion, when we read in Corinthians where it says, let every man examine himself. We just used to take that literally because it's like, hey, we got to have that peace, that time to look, like, are we moving in the right direction? Mm-hmm. Are there some things, some blind spots that we're not paying attention to that we need to correct? Because as we talk about all the time, seeds would germinate into something. It could be weeds or it could be a harvest, but a seed is going to sprout. Yeah. And you got to be careful of what seed you allowed to manifest and to germinate and take root within the inner core of your spirit that now was showing up and going to manifest later on in due time when you least expect it. Man, you hit it because you say this often and this I always say because you've been saying this since we were young and I always laughed at it, but this time it hit me a little different when you say, let every person examine themselves. Mm-hmm. That has been one of the most powerful tools that we learned at a young age is learning to assess your own um, shortcomings, your nearsightedness, your strengths, and your your response in any given situation. Mm-hmm. Because once you examine 
and you look at it and you come out to third party of yourself looking at yourself like as in a movie or whatever term you want to use or looking at yourself as an as an entity and removing the emotional attachments right doesn't doesn't mean get rid of emotion emotion is energy and it's good and it's important it's a sensor it helps you to navigate and i'm learning my emotional intelligence is growing every day because i'm focusing in on it but what i do understand is that principle is first principle is first and if you don't understand principle you're going to constantly make loop looped decisions because you're being emotional and people think emotion means like being erratic and like vulnerable and those kind of things some of us are vulnerable but stoic in the way we present it like you were talking about one of our colleagues was talking about how it seems like her the people in her family are always angry the men in her family are angry but you're only perceiving it as anger because of the way it's being presented in a physical space but internally it can be frustration it can be self assessments and you're just frustrated with your own reoccurrence the way you keep responding to situations the same way, mm-hmm. there can be a million reasons for why people are doing things. So the most important thing is standing and examining how flow, how far am I from principle? Because what happens is a lot of times we hear the word sin and Bible and church and religion automatically Satan can deceive us and the word doesn't bear fruit. But mm-hmm. if you look at sin as literally just missing a mark, from what the original intention was, then you don't look at sin the same way. You approach it like, no, I don't want to sin, meaning I don't want to do things that are going to take me off my mark. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, I want to stick. I want to stick on the. So, how do I know how I operate as a human being? What is going to be the best way for me to know how the world operates? How human nature? What is my nature? What is the? What is my cultural nature? What is my overall cultural nature? The macro, and then what is my personal or community all the way into my family lineage once you overstand you have to have at least a general idea of how those things operate so then you can see how it's impacting you personally because everything that we're going through i was telling one other brother he was like man i have to work like this and i'm in behind the ball and i'm well if you came into a situation where you're in debt limited resources as a whole as a people and you can't help or fund each other i can't lend this person money because I got to pay my bills. I'm two checks away or I'm a check away or whatever that may be. That's not only your fault. That's something that came from a systemic standpoint. So then once you overstand that, it begins to break the chain of my identity being tied in any particular thing outside of myself because those things already set in a certain space that wasn't even, I was already behind, like you said, the eight ball. I was already, if we're playing the 10, playing basketball you got the ball and got eight points if you win eight if i if you win at 10 and i won at and i scored seven points who really lost if you if you gear everything towards materialism you can say well he has the car he has the money that's just material can you not find another way that will give you access to be able to create your own material if we're not even thinking that way then we're going to be lost and feel like we only have one way we can do things. Yeah. So, you, you know, to, 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 to piggyback on what you're saying, it comes down to locales, right? So we, we're talking about a dollar now because we live in, in the United States. The same discussion is being had a person who's in India. They're talking about this because what it comes down to is, I, I, in my personal opinion, the decisions we make, right, because everybody has choices. So, when, so you, when you hear this term um, net worth, right? 
you could have you could be a person who makes a million dollars a year million dollars but if your liabilities are three million dollars you have a negative net worth a person who only makes thirty thousand dollars a year if they have no debt their net worth is thirty thousand dollars they're in the black so a lot of us what happens is we remember we said earlier because you brought a good concept, living below your means. Because majority of people don't live be below their means because they want things, that puts them right at that break even or to the point where they're they're live they're pretty much walking in quicksand. So any infraction, any curveball, anything that they cannot perceive that's going to happen happens. Boom! It throws them off. Now they're at a deficit. Now they're in trouble. Now they're in the red. Now it's an emergency. But we're not born into that because everybody has choices. Even if you think you don't have money, if you're not in debt, you have a positive you have a positive outcome because anything you get from this point is in the bonus. But once again, when we're constantly working and we're putting things on hold, we are what we call delayed gratification in the sense that pay now or buy now, pay later. All we're doing is kicking the can down the road and it gets to the point where interest takes hold. And now we've created this massive mountain that we can't get around. And now those are the chains of bondage that we never talk about. So this is what keeps people tied to jobs, tied to things that they don't even enjoy. Because you can't even you can't even focus on your dreams and passions. Because you have this thing in front of you that the elephant in the room would not leave your, your vision. No matter where you go, that ball and chain is carrying you. It's carrying you. <laughs> and you can't do it. And even inwardly, you want to be free. But it's like, until you remove this debt, you're not going to have freedom. So this is one of the things that I even challenged the pastor this week. I said, we're doing a poor job at literally, at realistically showing people how to live a wholesome life. Because once again, as you talked about sin, because now it occurred to me why the scripture says that he, wait, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him is a sin. So that tells me sin is relative, meaning that something that you're called to do, that if you don't do it inwardly and you've missed the mark and decide to go another way, to you, to you you're going to feel that in your spirit and your conscience to know you did something in error. Whereas I can go through the exact same thing and I'm, it's going to have no effect because it was a mandate that was given to you. It was a mandate that was given to me. If I decide to turn my back on it and go the other way and I knew what I'm supposed to be doing and I decide to go against that and miss the mark, to me, that's a sin. But we, we, what we've been trained, especially in church and religious circles, we put sin as these fornication, <laughs> drunkenness, all these. Somebody all, all these is drinking. Things. Hey, that's what we consider to be sin. And we're like, hold up. But there's a lot of things that happen inwardly that no one knows about mm. the sins of the heart, hey. and we don't put we don't put a label on it. But this is this type of stuff that's killing people on a daily day to day to day basis. Physically, all Jealousy, kind of way, envy, Ugh, covetousness, and strife. These are things that literally cause harm to your body for a reason. But we we don't talk about it, you know, because because like you said, we we focus on the things that we can see, the things, the illusions, the things that they put in the movies, the things that are constantly repaid back to us, but not realizing that we're dying slow, a slow death because of inner turmoils and inner things that are happening. And we even say it in within the DNA, things that have happened in generations before us that we don't even know what's happening, but your forefathers went through the exact same thing and never dealt with it. And now guess what? In 2023, you're dealing with it and you had no knowledge. 
that your bloodline went through the exact same traumatic experiences that you had no knowledge of. And guess what? The cycle continues until someone says, oh, no, no, it has to end here. We need to address this. We need to peel back the layers and begin to look within ourselves and say, what the hell's going on here? Mm. Hold up, mom, what happened here? Dad, there's some questions I need to ask because what was the relationship here? And the next thing you know, that uncovers something. She's like, hold up. Granddad was involved in this too? Grandma, huh? But how come no one told us about mm -mm. this? Because all we do is just put our head in the sand and act like it doesn't exist. And then future generations begin to still fall, fall short, miss the mark. And what we keep, like you said, keep falling into sin because we're missing the mark every single time. Mm. I'm sitting here in, in the role I play um, dealing with finances and dealing with business. And then the big question that always comes up is, uh, uh, what's it call it? Uh, generational wealth. What is generational wealth? Yes. And we can bring all the statistics of why people that look like us don't have wealth. Mm. But where do we miss the mark mm. decades and decades ago that is causing us to still be in the situation we're in? Right now, we can go online. Mm. We can go on social media. And we can see young brothers holding... Five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars holding it between their ears, showing that they have money. I mean, money, I mean, money everywhere, but yet still broke, spiritually inept. And then the whole community that they live in, degradation. No, nothing going on, no business, no, nothing going on, but you walk around with thousands of dollars. Mm. Where did that come from? Or our athletes and our entertainers will go to strip clubs and just throw thousands of dollars in the sky to show we got it. Yet still, there's so many things in our community that we just go, un we just overlook. And we think that's normal. <laughs> like that's a sickness to the highest level. It's a sickness. But how do we address those things? The money isn't what's going to solve the problem, but that's all people focus on because it keeps the economy going. Consumerism. <laughs> so we got we got to know the, the end result, at least be aware of it. Have to. And you, 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 you hit so many different pointers. That identity piece and understanding the examining of the peripheral and the, the, the context. Scripture says, do not go into any type of war or situation, not counting the cost, understanding what you're dealing with. And if you don't even know what you're do, dealing with, you already lost. You're lost. You're, you're, yeah, you're done. You're already done. You don't even know you're done. And you could have a lot of money. Like I remember I was listening to Bootsy. He was like, the thing that's different. A little bootsy, he was saying the thing that's different between me and other rappers, which I don't understand, is that all that great music you made, all that stuff you doing, y'all don't own it though. It's crucial. Even I, I, this one guy from Tech when I used to be in Dallas, um, mm. he called himself Boss Hog. I forgot, I forgot his name, but he's from Houston. He he said he said a similar thing. He was like, you know why I'm rich? Because I don't spend my money on, on name brand stuff. He said, I just go and wear Hanes t-shirts. And y'all think it's this, this name brand. He said, it was $5.99. He said, I don't understand why y'all waste your money on dumb things when we need to be building our community up. And, it, and it's like, they, there's people in the community, they see it. But, they're the, but because they show the excess, people get fixated on the excess. And then that becomes the idol. Man, I want to be like him. I want to get that money. Because then there's that illusion. I want to emulate and live that type of lifestyle. Big cars, mm -hmm. big this, big that. And that's what's killing us as a people. Our insatiable desire to want other covetousness, wanting other things. Things that mm -hmm. don't even we don't even need. But we sit around, man, I wish I could have a Bentley. Man, when I make it, I'm going to get that. And it means nothing. 
nothing at all. And you don't own it either. Someone else owns it. And and the the spirit, the individualism is such a a powerful tool against growth. Oh yeah, for sure. Individualism because nothing actually operates unless you're unified. It's, it's impossible, right? So for those who are in the, the the realms of what they would call success, and they have to push themselves away. They have to make a decision to move away from community to pursue the idea of what is great. But, you know, it, it gets back to what you were saying, you know, um, because even when you talk about branding, even that's something I'm starting to hear now, and I've heard it a lot, but you hear it now within the educational world. Like they teach classes on personal branding. Like they're teaching you to promote yourself above everything. So this whole idea of collectivism, being your brother's keeper, looking out for your fellow man, that's even abandoned in the education system because it's like me, me, me. How can you elevate yourself? This is why social media is so popular and so deadly at the same time for this generation and even generations prior to that because everybody wants to be front and center. Everybody wants to show everything about their lives, every secret, everything they're doing 24 hours a day. They want to promote it out there because they think, this is my brand. This is me. This is how I'm going to generate monies, generate opportunities. And they don't know the, the damage that they're doing because ultimately you're also showing yourself not just your vulnerabilities because a lot of the stuff is staged. You're only going to show us what we you think we need to see, not the mm-hmm. true authentic self. So regardless mm-hmm. of what you adorn yourself with, what Proverbs talks about, you can put makeup on, you can adorn yourself, but you're when you get home, you have to be you. And that's the you mm. that you don't share with the world. Mm-hmm. And one rule of thumb that we know we used to live by, no one likes copycats. If somebody was already that already, you trying to emulate and do that, you look corny. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. I, that's mm-hmm. why we used to, one of the reasons why, you know, people like Kanye. Mm-hmm. At the time when Kanye came out, no one was rapping like him. No one had his style. No one had his flow. Even the mm-hmm. people who... He, that he felt that he was producing for that didn't even really believe in him. They're like, because that, that's not gangster enough. That's not just it. He came in and mm. took the whole industry by force, by storm, and maintained mm. it for, oh, I would say, over over a decade. Easily, mm. even to this day, a lot of the music that comes out came by his influence, his style, how he True. moves, and fashion. Mm. Like, he became him. He was himself. You, we can debate all. Mm. Uh, his personality, what he is, but if you just take him for the essence of who he was, he believed in himself so much. He was like, hey, yeah, I don't care about me, but I'm telling you, this is what it is. And you can see mm-hmm. the fruit of his of his artistry. Mm-hmm. And you can learn and see, like, he didn't copy, he wasn't a copycat. He was him. Mm-hmm. People try mm-hmm. to copy him, it, you, but it won't work. But you can see little remnants of, uh, of the influence. But ultimately, mm-hmm. Michael Jackson was Michael Jackson. James Brown was James Brown. They were themselves. Even, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, <laughs> we go back to the Ajapong family where people travel continents and waters to get to to be next to James Brown, <laughs> Sammy Davis. Like, these were authentic people, but you can see the impact, what they had. We talk about one Michael Jordan, one Kobe Bryant, one LeBron James, one Allen Iverson. We don't talk mm-hmm. about the clones. That's why you mm-hmm. need to be who you are. But yeah, getting the hardest work for any individual is to get to that point to really understand you. And is that something you master? It's a lifelong journey because you're going to go through the ebb and flows of life, different stages, your teenage years. You're going to go through trials and tribulations. 
And I'm of the mindset there's never a, dull, a bad moment in life because everything is a learning moment. As long as you're breathing and you're alive, you learn from that so-called mistake. That's just a part of your journey. You got to hit the bump in the road because you can see the glass half full or half empty. I see it if it's half full at all times. I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to go through that pitfall because that's going to that's one of the reasons why I told you I play tennis. Tennis is an individual game where you can't blame anyone, but you it's just you and the ball. So when you mm-hmm. lose, that's the best times to kind of learn your mistakes. Because when you're winning, you're, you're, you're plowing through subpar talent. When you meet your match or you're doing things haphazardly, you're not really executing at the level you're supposed to execute, you're going to see it. That's how you can be right in front of the net and hit the ball right into the and not Because you had bad technique. You had bad preparation. Mm-hmm. So you can't get mad. I can't get mad at my point guard in basketball and say, you didn't pass me the ball. You do, No, I can only be bad at myself. So that's where that examination process comes in. Like, all right. You got to do X, Y, and Z better. You need to prepare better. You know what? You need to have a better eye-hand coordination. Why? You need to make sure you see what he's doing. You got to counteract that. Do this. What is strategize while all this is going on? But this is all going through self-examination. You know, and so this is why, like I said, I use those analogies in sports because that's why I play the sports I play because it's teaching you foundations and aspects of life that you can apply in the real world. So as you said, you just don't react to everything. You'd be like, all right, I have a strategy. If this happens, I've already planned what I'm gonna do. Boom, oh, okay, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's using topspin on her serve. So I'm gonna slice it back to him. He doesn't like power because he's used to hitting power. So he doesn't, if I give it back to him at the same level, just blocking it back, I'm gonna use his power against him. So even though you may have shortfalls, you may not be tall enough, you may not be strong enough, but there's still strategies you can employ in order to be successful. So, you know. And the strategy is important and you learn from other people. Yeah. So in your in your journey to um, becoming and finding yourself, the discovery of finding yourself, you're going to somewhat mimic those who were before you, who influences you from a palate standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like you look at James Brown influenced Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson said, if it wasn't for you, I couldn't be who I am. Ooh, that's right. He took his palate, but he was able to birth himself. Same thing with Michael Jordan. Kobe's like, but Michael Jordan couldn't be who he was if it was for Julius Irvin, mm-hmm. right? Julius Irvin opened that door for him and then he was able to phew, take it over. So you have these outliers and people like I'm learning right about even um, in in world politics, how ZZ Ping came up from the ranks of being outcasted, thrown out because his dad was a part of the, the, the squad that was in in relationship with Mao Zedong. Mm. And he got kicked on the outskirts and made his way all the way back to becoming the leader of of China and being able to strategize. So it wasn't money. It was knowledge mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and knowledge came from mentorship and his bloodline and family who were already uh, prestigious and had resources. So if you came from a bloodline of people that had certain powers, which all bloodlines do, you just have to understand it. And for most people who have been in the diaspora for long periods of time, it's a lot more of a challenge. But then that's it's encoded on the DNA. It's encoded in the DNA. That's why you're here to talk to me right now It's because of how powerful your bloodline was. So. There has to be ways to tap into those spaces and it's in your proclivities, it's in your tendencies, in your desires. And when you purify those desires and you align yourself outside of missing the mark, you begin to strengthen the resolve of that. And I know that to be true because I see it in nature Mm -hmm. when the brother was talking about the bees, how they they swarm and they create this royal jelly of a sort um, and those who are in the B world, don't hold me to it. Uh, this is something that I'm learning. And 
out of that is birthed the queen bee from the the movement of that that consistency the cell becoming so strong that it births the queen bee how is people birth through practice through discipline through focus oh kobe you 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 trying to be michael jordan you, he could have stopped but what did he do he kept pushing till he found his fullness mm-hmm. and that's how you do it you got to find your fullness and you expand to become greater and then you pay homage what i don't like about people is when they say they're not influenced by certain people and try to act like they did on their own it's impossible everybody's been influenced by somebody right some people have been influenced by your dad Mm -hmm. and hopefully you're you're being influenced by your family which is the best thing because then you could build on it like you were saying about that one um student of yours who's from um cameroon who talked about his dad starting um the b business and how he can follow through with that same line of business or he can take another path, but it wouldn't be the smartest move because you want to build on something that you can then pass on. That's the real generational That's wealth it. and legacy. Whatever your parents have set before, hopefully you can somehow have a strategic mind or follow through with it so you can build upon it so you don't have to start over again. Because the more you have to start over again, the less time you have. That's it. Set the table. The table's already been set. And that's what we're here to do. Yeah. Take so, it to another level. That's it. But you see- Mentorship. See, that goes back to- that individualism, that mindset, because, mm-hmm. and I think I think we talked about it too. You know, when you start to talk here about those families, um, ultra wealthy families that literally started these frontiers, whether it's the Rothschilds, the Kennedys, all these people, they keep the stuff in house. They don't allow just anybody to come and break ranks. They make sure I don't care incest is crazy, but they do that for a reason. They keep it all in the family. There's a family business, and from that point, everybody's working towards the business. If you go to college, you can go to college, but you come right back to magnify the family business. But in the commoners outside of that, we we missed the mark. We think we can just mix and mingle, do here, go loosey-goosey. You know what? My parents have created this, but I don't want to do that. But you, you've already, once again, legacy. You don't even know. You, you're, you're, you're working against your own self. Because you, everybody has skills, talents, and abilities. Because when you operate from that standpoint, that means you're you're you're, you're working towards something that's bigger than you, mm-hmm. and you just want to be. Do you want to be the big fish in the small pond, or you're okay with being the small fish in the big pond? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, everybody would do the latter. They want to be the big the big guy on the block. They want to mm-hmm. show me 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 me. I did this. I took. You can blend in, be a part of the family, be a part of the team, be a part mm-hmm. of the unit. Mm-hmm. There's there's no rankings here. Everybody works together. Mm-hmm. But that is what's uh working against us that mindset and that's something that we definitely need to bring back because once again we're more stronger together than we are apart and that's the way we're built as afro peoples as well they Mm -hmm. try to marginalize it to make it about capitalism or communism or socialism everyone uses all of those quote-unquote ways of governance but that doesn't mean that that's reality that's just the way some people have Um, identified as being a certain group or identified a way of being that doesn't mean that as universal law the universal law is you when you work together you get more accomplished the united states they have a one kind of thought process which is capitalism they used to call martin luther king a communist they used to call angela davis a communist that's it, that's it, that's it. We have social programs. We have police. We have fire department. That's all comes from a so. So we have to educate 
not indoctrinate, but really educate oneself from your perspective within your context. That's the identity piece. Then you can use marketing and all those things and they don't become a substitute. They become a tool as they're supposed to. And uh, we'll catch you on the next podcast.